There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 286. And today on the show, Dan and I are checking in on our 2019 hunting habit changes. We're discussing trial cam analysis and summer habitat projects. And I'm regaling you with the story of my recent, somewhat cursed cross-country adventure with my wife and toddler. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. And today we are back uh, with me and Dan just for one of those fun episodes. You might not learn anything today. <laughs> but but I think you'll you'll get a laugh or two. Um but you know the last like 5 weeks or so or 4 4 or 5 weeks since you were up back with me Dan. Um yeah. it's been like a bunch of deep learning, deep knowledge type podcast. I think we need a breather from that. We need something that Dan is obviously not qualified for <laughs> that's not true but <laughs> but you might be more qualified for for this kind of talk so i want to i'm gonna check in on you on something yeah. is one of the things i want to do cool. i want to talk summer deer projects if there's any on your side i've got some stuff on my side um and then i got another kind of out of left field i know we never do this but i want to talk parenting <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, and toddler travel ideas and lessons learned because I've been in the middle of probably the most, probably the worst trip of my entire life <laughs> and, and possibly best. But, um, right. but, oh man, have I got some stories. We've had all sorts of stuff go wrong because I'm recording this one as I do most summers, you know this, Dan, usually at some point during each summer, I'm recording podcasts from the front of my truck <laughs> yes. out in Montana. And this is the first truck podcast of the year. Um, so I'm out West, um, barely. We're surviving just barely, but we are out here. And, uh, and that's the podcast plan I got. What do you, what do you think about those ideas? Yeah, I'm down for just about anything. Uh, as long as I'm not in a room with any of my children, it's like <laughs> I, I'm down for talking about whatever. So last time we were recording, I, I edited this out, but last time we were recording, uh, halfway through, your one of your kids started screaming. 
and yep. you had to go outside and try to get it to require. And I just heard your wife. She didn't seem too happy about the situation either. And it just made me feel like, you know what? I'm glad I'm not the only one who's dealing with these challenges. <laughs> so that was like a nice feeling for me. <laughs> so I got to tell, tell a really quick story, okay? So yeah. I am in the process of building a sportsman's nation headquarters above my garage. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's like an office that's just me. Right. And my wife's like, well, why can't you take that money and do something else with it? And I go, Sarah, because I am putting out almost every episode of the nine finger chronicles that I put out is you in the background yelling at the kids or the kids (laughs) yelling at you. And at some point, a sponsor is going to be like, come on, man, we, we can't have this. <laughs> yeah. it maybe it adds a little charm, but yeah, at some point that might run <laughs> off. <laughs> right, right. How is the progress of the, uh, the renovation project? I've been following on Instagram. I'm seeing that yeah. uh, things are coming along. What's, what's the story there? Yeah, so it's good. So I'm to a point now where the only thing that is holding me up is me, right? So I got an electrician who knew what he was doing to come in. So the only thing that I have to do is um, finish insulating, drywall, paint, flooring, and we're good to go. So hopefully my goal is sometime in July, I can be up there full time. Sweet. And you know how to do that stuff? Yeah, I know how to, uh, I know how to do the insulation, the drywall, obviously paint. Yep. Wow. So. I'm impressed. Yep. I yep. can't, so I'm j- I can't say yeah. I can do that. <laughs> yeah. It's easy once you do it a couple yeah. times. So, so what's, what's all going to be up there? Yeah. Like a recording studio. Do you have like anything in particular, just like a nice office space? Yeah, it's, it's going to be, well, I'm not going to call it anything, an official anything. It's going to be an office. It's going to be, have, you know, like some awesome deer stuff on the walls, all that good stuff. But it's also going to, be a recording studio as well. So, um, it's just going to be a place that's away from the chaos of the house. And that's what I need right now. Like, especially if I want to go and do any work on my computer, it has to be done after my kid falls asleep because my computer is in the room. So I have to be extra quiet this way. You know, if I want to go on a grind session until midnight, some night, I don't have to worry about waking my kid up. Oh yeah. That's huge. Real huge. Well, that's yeah. good, man. I, um, I, I guess I've been spoiled. I've had my own little room for an office for a while now, and you take it for granted what a difference that ha- that makes just to have a space to get your stuff done. Um, yeah. Speaking of getting stuff done, though, last time we talked, we were talking about habits and stuff, and this whole topic mm-hmm. of like just having so much going on and kids running around everywhere and trying to like develop good habits to get some of the stuff done that you want to get done. Um, specifically, we were talking like hunting stuff, um, and I broached the idea to you of us each picking some kind of good habit that we're going to try to strengthen and then we could be accountability partners for each other and make sure we're sticking to that. And you had said that you needed to go back to the drawing board and and look at what your schedule is going to allow and what you could do. And so my question for you is, have you decided, is there something you want to join me on this habit mission and, uh, and put out there for the world? Yeah. So I think when I get that office space done, I'm going to be able to get into not a crazy routine, but a better routine than what I have now. And I'm a kind of a routine person. So if I can get up in the morning, go ABC, check it off the list, ABC in the afternoon, check it off the list. I'm, I'm good. Right. I I think once I get, 
once I get separated from where I'm currently at, I, it's going to be able to be like, I'll be able to take on a lot more of those, of these accountability type tasks. So does that mean we're waiting until the office is done before you put no, one out there? <laughs> I, say, I say we start, I say we start right now though. Okay. What so, was yours? I forget. So, so I've got kind of a, a double one, what I've been trying to do. And so since we talked, that was like five weeks ago, I think I've actually been able to, to do this. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling good. I want to at least three times a week go for a minimum of a two mile run and shoot my bow each morning. So yep. I'm getting up early yep. in the morning and then three times a week I'm doing that. Um, so I've been able to do that every week since we talked. Um, so I'm feeling good about that. And you tell you what, just like getting back into that, um, cause I'll do really good at those things and I'll fall off and I do good and I fall off, but it feels good to be back on it. So, so I want yeah. you to try to hold me accountable. Every time we talk, you gotta let me know or ask me, did I do my runs and my, and my shooting this past week? Um, yep. and those are my minimums. I want to be doing more, but if I can at least do three a week, um, I feel that, uh, just, just getting a little morning exercise for whatever reason for me makes me just, I don't know, my day seems to go a lot better. I'm able to focus more. I've got more energy. Um, but I'm a slow waker, so it's like unnatural. So like I, if if it were just up to me and I had nothing going on and I wasn't busy and I wasn't trying to get stuff done, I would like wake up at 7 just naturally. I'd look at my phone and read some stuff for half hour and I'd slowly get going. But like that's my natural predisposition, but then I feel crappy afterwards. Like I hate that I do that. So uh, it's harder for me to get up and go and do this stuff It like to make that decision. But once I do it, then I'm so glad I did it. Um, so, so that's where I'm at. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Uh, I, I can join you on that one because I've recently started my workout, um, ramping up, I should say my workout, uh, regimen for, uh, I'm not a runner at all period. So I started running and the first, you know, I'm going to say the first 20 miles that I ran were just embarrassing, right? <laughs> But recently I've been able to can like, so I, I set off with a goal of I'm running three miles. When I go for a run, I'm going to run three miles because like a, a mile just isn't cutting it in the high country. Yep. You know, oh, great. You can run a mile. Awesome. So I decided I'm going to start off at three miles and the first, you know, the first five times that I went out, I had to stop and I was like, oh my God, this sucks. But the, like the, the next couple that I went on. I was able to run all the way through, uh, this, the run without having to stop. And that, uh, that, that kind of motivated me because I actually really, really hate cardio. There's something about that though. Like when you set a goal like that, that's hard. And then once you yeah. push through and do that, that's a, that's like a very empowering feeling. Yeah. And I gave myself one of those really douchey fist pumps when I got to the end of my driveway because I have to run past my mailbox. And when I run past my mailbox, that means I'm done with the run. Yep. And I ran past my mailbox and I gave myself a, yeah, you know, <laughs> like a, a fist pump. Good job, Dan. Yeah, good job, Dan. <laughs> Little <laughs> so, self-motivation there. So how many week or how many times a week are you trying to do that? Uh, so this week will be the first week of trying to do three, three mile runs. So last week I did two, three mile runs and a hike. This week will be three, three mile runs and a hike. All right. So let's, let's 
keep on each other there. Three three mile hikes. I'll do the same or runs. I'll do the same thing because I've been going up to three too. So okay, we'll have to check in weekly. Make sure we're doing our three times a week three mile runs, and uh, and I'm I'm getting some hikes in out here in the mountains too. So yeah. that'll be that'll be some bonus. What about shooting your bow? Any updates with that? Yeah, so um, I'm in the process of getting. I'm. I got some new arrows. The only thing I really have to do yet, I got my new arrows. Uh, I have to glue in the inserts, and I have to build my broadhead arrows, and then I have to build my uh, field tip arrows. Um, and basically, the difference is just lining up the broadheads because I have a four fletch arrow. Yep. So I'm. I just want to, for all anal retentive purposes, make sure all of the broadheads sit the same on the arrow. Yep. And. Um, so I have to do that. That'll happen this week. And then I can start like going on a mission, shooting my bow to my goal is I want to say five arrows a day. That's, that's minimum, but I'll be able to do more once I can get the kids to, you know, the kids are at quiet time or at supper or something where I can step out and right before bed, you know, and, uh, shoot my bow. The goal is every day. Yeah, it's all about finding those little pockets of time. That's like, yeah. for me, the way I've been able to figure out to do that is is doing this getting up before everybody else thing. So I get up before everybody else, sneak out of the house, I don't wake up Everett or Kylie, get the run in, grab the bow right then, because I'm already out, might as well get the bow shooting in. That's that's what I've managed to be able to pull it off. But yeah. I I don't know. I don't know how the more, the more stuff I do with our son, or what am I trying to say here? The, the longer I'm a dad, the longer I don't understand how you function at all with three kids and how anybody yeah. functions with three or four. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it is insane. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's to the point where, so, you know, I, I got laid off. So now what I'm doing, the network and the podcast is full time, right? So I'm also a stay at home dad. So I am trying to fit five pounds of shit into a three pounds bag every single day. And it's a lot of stinky overflow. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not going on my run some nights until nine o'clock at night. And it's just, by the time you get there, it's all about, it's all mental at that point, because once you get into the run, it's not too bad, but then I'm staying up till about 11 working because it's quiet. And then I'm getting up at five, five thirty when my toddler gets up. Yeah. So it's just, it's just one of these things where it, it just treading water at this point. Just surviving. Yeah. I can relate to that. Um, <laughs> before we pivot to surviving, I got to give you one update on the shooting thing. Yeah. So since we talked last time, I know like, I don't know, this winter, I told you that I was going to be doing this, but now I'm finally doing it. I, so I switched to that back tension release. Yeah. Yep. I got the, uh, the silver back. And, um, so, so finally got it all set up. I, I didn't have, I wasn't using it for early, early spring and winter because I didn't have a digital scale. You need a scale to properly set the poundage on the release so that it only releases at the right weight. Um, but I finally was like, I just got to get this thing set up. So I found a scale, ordered online, got it, got the release set up, started shooting with it. I don't know, about a month, month and a half ago or something like that now. And um, it's really cool. It's very cool. Now, I, I know you, tr- did you try a back tension or did you try a thumb button release last year? I've tried, so I've tried both. Okay. Right. But before we talk about me, I want to finish, I want you to talk about 
what your experience was with it and what the learning curve is, because I, I need to set my bow up completely different. Yeah. So, so once I set the proper poundage on the release, which just means that you reach a certain amount of pounds of tension on that little clip and then it releases at that weight. Once I had that set properly, um, the first couple times I shot with it was like, was weird. Um, and almost it kind of stressed me out because what, like I felt target panic type, um, type reaction set in again, because what I would do is you draw back, you're holding, basically you clip on and then you push in a little button that essentially is the safety. So it keeps it from releasing as you pull back. So you hold the safety, draw back, anchor, get all settled. And then once you're aimed and ready to go, you let go of your thumb off of that safety. And then you just start slowly kind of squeezing back your shoulder until there's enough tension that it releases. But what I had happened the first couple of times is that I apparently had still had the tension up too high. So I was like pulling, pulling, and nothing was happening, nothing was happening, nothing was happening. And then like I'd like finally like my body would almost like compulsively, I don't know how to describe it, like jerk to try to get it to go off. Um, yeah. And that was not how you should be doing it at all. So I kept having to turn it down. So loosen the tension, loosen the tension. Um, and on the second time adjusting it, I got to the right, the, just the right balance point where now I, I can release that safety. And just as I start squeezing, like it just becomes like a natural squeeze fire. And I'm not having to, to pull so much than pulling my pin off the target or anything. Um, and it feels really good. Like it feels really good now. It's, it's fun. It's, it's more fun to shoot now because yeah. um, you're getting you're essentially getting a surprise release every single time which is which is easier said than done when you're using a, a finger a trigger finger release um, right. so I've, I've just though been like keeping it real simple right now like I'm purposefully staying close range I'm only shooting up to 30 yards and I'm just shooting repetition to just get the to get just get the shot process right so just want to make sure I get like a perfect release every time with that um, so I just you know, draw back, settle in. I'm still using this mantra that I was using last year. So I get drawn on, I say splash it on there, which basically is just like get my pin on the target. And then I just watch it, keep it. So I'm just, just watching the pin floating there on the bowl, watch it float, watch it float. And as soon as I'm just kind of settled and happy there, and then I, then I say, all right, here we go. And that's when I release the safety and then pull, 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 fire. Um, and so that's, I'm just doing that over and over and over and trying to, Trying to get 20, 30, 40 arrows, depending on how much time I've got in the morning. Um, try to do that. Um, and it's it's feeling good. I haven't stretched out yeah. to longer distances yet. I'm just still trying to stay close. And this past week, I haven't been able to shoot because it's been uh, we've been on the road. Um, but I did bring my bow and a target with me. So as soon as, hopefully by tomorrow, we get settled in a campsite that we'll be at, um, I'm going to be able to pick it back up and start shooting again here. Um, so that's where I'm at with it so far. I feel good. Um, we'll see what things look like once we stretch it out to 40, 50, 60. Um, but so far so good. And I'm hopeful this will, will translate to this fall. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. That's good. I, you know, when you commit to a different kind of release, you also have to commit to a certain kind of draw length as well. Yep. So for me, I got my draw length on my bow this year for my trigger release 
So now I would need a, I would need a longer draw weight if I was going to go to a back tension release or a yep. thumb release just because they're so, they're much shorter. Yeah. So it's almost like at this point in the, in the game, I need to, I, I have to stick with my, uh, with my trigger release, at least for this year. Yep. Well, uh, keep me or don't keep me posted, but keep this idea in the back of your mind for, cause I know you've had some of the same things that I've been dealing with and, and knock on wood so far, this seems like it might be a solution. So I'll, I'll keep you posted how that goes and, yeah. and we'll see. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. John Dudley's the guy who is is kind of behind this release from Knock On. And mm-hmm. um, I have I'm, the same one. Yeah, okay. So you got the silverback. So he's got a lot of good resources over on his YouTube channel that I've been watching and, and learned some stuff and actually trying to talk to him on the podcast here soon about that too. So uh, more to come on that. Um, but shoot, dude, I uh, what is this? It's late June. We're down to just like two months until September. Dude, I don't even know what has happened this year. Like if you said, hey, what, so what's going on? What, what's happened in the last six months? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> so I what, have no idea. So what is, what is going on? What, what, <laughs> summer stuff. What summer projects have you been able to get out and do anything? Any kind of prep work happening yet in the woods for you? I've had a couple things since we talked last. Okay. So for me, the prep, the prep work has all been done digitally at this point, right? Uh, I haven't – the. Last time I was had a scheduled day to go out and put trail cameras out, it rained all day long. 
So I decided not to go out, do some stuff uh, up for the office and uh, knock, you know, knock a, a small project out. And then hopefully I can get out and go uh, set up trail cameras for velvet. So that is the only, like, I just had to reschedule that. But between my two out-of-state trips this year, and now one is an asterisk, like a maybe, and basically refining my my attack on the 2019 Iowa deer season, archery season. So that's just what I've been doing in my spare time is planning for those trips and like basically putting pins on a map and just like hyper focusing in on, I think one particular deer if he shows back up. So we're talking Iowa and we're talking yep. about, uh, what's his name again? I'm blanking for some reason. Gnarly. Gnarly. Yeah, Gnarly, Gnarly Charlie. Charlie. Gnarly Charlie. So yep. last time I th- it was maybe last time or two times before you had talked about this idea of, um, you had a really good name for it. It was like Dan Johnson's various pins <laughs> on a map, draw spoke, lines, draw between lines pins, between pins, <laughs> put stand in middle process Process. or something like that. (laughs) Um, So, so you talked about the fact that you were looking at all the cameras where you'd gotten pictures of him, I think in daylight maybe. And then you were kind of just trying to zero in and and see if there's any in-between spot. Have you done anything more since that point? Like where, what's the progress? Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm, I, I've taken the last two years of data that I have on him. I've found, and oh, by the way, I got some additional, uh, I got some additional trail camera pictures from a trail camera that I had left in the woods all year. And then nice. last month I went in and he came by it a couple times throughout the season. I, so love, that's just, I love that bonus trail camera that you forget yes, about. That is the yes. great feeling when you discover that. Especially when there's good deer on it, yeah. right? And you're like, okay, deer are using this. So I, what I've done is I've got all the lines out, you know, I've created this area of the farm that I am going to focus on this entire year, right? Now, how big an area? Do you think? Oh man, I'm I'm going to I'm going to say about 200 acres. Okay. Right? Now that's but within that 200 acres, there's several terrain features that I f- I find very attractive and hopefully he does too, right? Now, there's a whole bunch of different things and that's probably a, a different uh, you know, a different episode about diving into the details, but as far as where he's living, I think I got it. Uh, crop rotation. If, if let's say everything from two years ago was like, it's good. And okay. So everything from two years ago is going to be same as this upcoming year for crops. I know for crops. Yeah. I, I know where I need to be. Uh, I know where, you know, where I think he's going to be throughout specific times a year. Uh, just, you know, just continuing to refine that. And then when I go to set my uh, tree stands up in July, I'll be, uh, I'm going to have a couple pre hung and then the rest is going to be like, I always do run and gun, man. So have you been able to see how, um, how the rain or flooding has impacted any of these crop fields? Cause or I don't know if you've had that issue by you, but by us, there's yeah. been so wet that a lot of farmers either haven't got stuff planted at all, or we're planting really, really late. What's, right. what's going on by you? Uh, I'm going to guess, uh, based off of what I've seen down river bottom ground, I don't think they're going to get it in this year, uh, depending on, I don't like 
where the floodings happened within the county. High ground on all the farms doesn't look like it's going to be too bad, or especially if it's it's got uh, tile in it. But I, I'm pretty sure that all the top fields are going to be planted, not a problem. It's the bottom fields, which the only thing that's going to do is bring deer up into the high part of the property uh, from for most of the year. However, you know, do you remember that buck uh, several years ago, No Show Jones? Yeah. Okay. The year that it flooded, the the river bottom flooded, they fertilize first, then they go in and plant. And well, in between after fertilizing, the flood came, killed all the seeds. The grass grew like 12, 15 feet high. I remember that field. Yeah. And now that, uh, that was just this giant habitat. And so we flanked that field one day uh, during the rut. And what do you know? Big mature buck right in the middle of that grass, right over top of a hot doe. So weren't you hunting with Iberg that year? Yeah. Yep. Uh, that, yeah, that was the previous year. The The following years when Ryan shot him in the antler. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so what, what I think that's going to do is it's going to, it's actually going to hold more deer at, just for some great cover, unless it's extra wet and extra floody and you know it, i haven't been back on the farm in a, a couple months so it's such a great point though is like the importance of of remembering past years types of situations oh, so yeah, like this you, now you know what happens when it floods you've got some experience to show you how to adjust or thinking back now to crop rotation that's a huge thing like we really should be thinking in many cases like if you hunt where there's ag you want to think every other year kind of patterns because those crop changes change deer behavior so much. I mean, yes. it's, it's all, you'll still get the same deer in this general area many times, but I think there's some pretty drastic changes. Um, oh, yeah. I've seen, I've had bucks that just totally disappear on the off years sometimes too. Yep. I can tell you a story. I can tell you a story, a hundred stories about that. You know, it's like deer only shows up in corn on this one trail camera next year. He's, a mile north, uh, and, and that's his core range. But you flip it, now he's a mile south. You know, it's just it's it's crazy. And I think, especially if you're hunting the Midwest, and depending on where your farm is, if you're hunting big woods, I don't think that's as much as an of an issue as um, ag ground like Illinois and Iowa and maybe yeah. some of Missouri and whatnot. But it's definitely something that I've been focused on a lot more and just going back and checking my trail cameras because I have a camera that produces a lot of good deer on years that the main part of this ag field is beans. And when it's corn, they show up late, like in the, during the hunting season, but not during the summer. Right. And then they shift back into the, the big chunk of timber. But this year, if, if I'm to, if I was a betting man, I would bet that that trail camera is going to blow up with big bucks, big mature deer all summer long uh, until until they, they get harvested. Yeah. So speaking of this whole trail camera data and looking back in past years, I, it's probably worth just recapping um, for people that might be tuning in, you know, new as new hunters. One right. of the big things that both you and I have, have started paying a lot of attention to the last couple of years based off of things we've seen and a lot of people we've talked to is the idea of, of looking at trail camera pictures, not just from like 
this week, but also looking at what deer were doing last year at the same time or two years ago at the same time. Because a lot yes. of times we're seeing these bucks, either the very same deer doing the same thing at the same time every year. So like you just said, like, yeah, if there's corn on uh, mid-October, the big, this, you know, big Joe shows up mid-October every year um, on these types of cameras. Like I've seen patterns like that. And then I've also seen things where maybe it's not the same exact deer, but it'll be for some reason every year at such and such time of year, the bucks start moving through certain areas and you start seeing annual patterns in that kind of way. Um, right. I mean, I feel like that, like you, like you've been doing, that's some of the very most off, most important off season work now is just studying all these previous years worth of pictures. Yeah, I agree. The, the next step in all of this is I got my dots on the map. I got the area where there, where that information is. Now my goal is to try to forecast this all right. Forecast this deer movement. So every dot on a map is going to get a number, right? So, and I'm going to do it over a couple different ways. I'm just going to go back to 2018. Gnarly Charlie, where was the first time he showed up on camera? That gets a number one. Where was the second time he gets a number two? Where was the third time that gets a number three? And the goal is to find how he's circling through this. Yeah. Through this property. Right. Is he, is he coming? What, what's his circuit? How are are you, are you doing this in like an Excel spreadsheet or something that you're marking all this up or how are you actually documenting this? Right. So I'm using, um, uh, a software called deer lab. Uh, yes. Yep. Deer lab. I use a little bit of that, but there's, there's some things that deer lab really can't do. And that's where I'm going to have to basically just create a printout or I got a Huntera map with the magnets on it. Yep. So, sweet. yeah. So I'm going to put, uh, put all my trail cameras or where all the data points are and then basically just put a little number next to it. One, two, three. And hopefully what I can see is maybe there's four days in a row on different cameras where he showed up and then I can say, Oh, well, look at this. He's taking this half moon through here or he's working this on this wind and, the goal is to really just study it and put myself in a position where, you know, if I'm really going to focus on one deer, I have to be willing to not hunt the first week of November. Right. No, well, now you're saying that based off if you think that there's certain data that tells you to do that. You're saying. Exactly. Well, last year he didn't show up on any trail cameras until like November 9th. Now, could you still hunt, just hunt elsewhere? Oh yeah. Yeah. I could definitely hunt elsewhere and, you know, try to go, but you know, you, you've you just seen the picks, that, you're, 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 you're still sticking to maybe, could it possibly be an only buck year for you? Like he is the one there's, I, you know, I, I'm coming off of a year where I just shot my biggest scoring buck ever. So it's not like for me, first and foremost, I got a brand new freezer. So I'm going to, I'm going to stack some meat in there. Fill her up. Like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go shoot a ton of does. That's my goal. I'm going to fill the freezer with, uh, you know, try to get three does in there. And then this, like you said, this might be a, a year where I dedicate a season to an animal depending on if he shows up this summer, right? If I don't have any Intel on him going into the summer, I'm going to do what I always do and put together a hit list and yeah. I'm still going to put together a hit list. And just like, you know, all that could change. Yeah. Very true. That's exciting though. Like it'd be, it would be fun for me to follow your hunt for that one buck. Like I know, um, 
it's not for everyone, but man, there's something extra interesting. I feel like when you've got one deer, you're trying to figure out, I don't know, at least for me, I really right. geek out about it. So right. I'm intrigued. I can't wait to see what he looks like this summer. You'll, uh, uh, the only other thing on that, on that particular farm for the whitetail side of things is catch those damn thieves. Mm, like trail cams. I got more cell cams coming in and uh, it's going to be like some spy type shit. Like my goal is to just document. I don't even care. Like I, I'm, I have a feeling that if I get the Intel that I want off of that particular ca- off the farm, like, okay, he's alive. I feel like I'm going to take all my cameras out again and switch them to places where these guys, you know, where people are going to steal my shit. So go from, okay, I've identified that this buck's still alive. That's all I needed to know. Now it's time to go catch some people. Right. Yeah. You got to get that figured out. Yeah. That's a perfect tool for it. That's for sure. Yep. Absolutely. So on the camera thing, uh, one more thing I want to add, I don't know if I talked about this with you or not. So tell me if I did already, but, um, you mentioned trying to, you know, how you're trying to track all that data and how deer lab is really helpful for a lot of stuff. But for me, the big issue is that Deer Lab, you can't, um, it doesn't work quite as well for sightings. So I'd like to be able to track both trail camera pictures and actual in-person sightings. So what I did is I run stuff through Deer Lab, but then I also put together my own little spreadsheet. And I don't know if this right. is something that you might find helpful or not, but what I did is I created a spreadsheet that tracks the date. It tracks whether it was a photo or sighting. So each one of these is a column. It tracks the location of that sighting or picture it tracks was it am or pm so i just wanted to simply say is it morning or evening and then i've got it tracks is it daylight yes or no and then i have the eps what the actual temperature was and then i've got a column for was it a cold front or not so what i did is if it, if that sighting or that picture came after a temperature drop of 10 degrees or more it would get a yes if it was not that it would get a no and then i tracked the wind direction south southwest northwest whatever and then I tracked the wind speed, and then I put in the barometric pressure, and then I put in whether or not it was a red moon. So you've heard, you, you know, we've talked to people about the, this red moon theory. So if it's a yep. a moon that's directly overhead or underfoot um, during uh, key times of of day, that would be categorized as a red moon. That's something that some people think might trigger movement. And then the other one is if you have a moon that is rising or setting at dawn or dusk, that's another thing that some people have theorized might get bucks moving. So I tracked that. So those are the, I don't know how many of those, like, those are the 11 columns that I have. And right. then each one of these is, you can filter by each one. So it's like a pivot table. So I could say, so I've got, and this is for one buck. I created this for just Holyfield back in the day. Um, so I have... I have 66 sightings or daylight pictures that I have tracked on here. And then I could go in here and I could say, okay, well, let's just look at the daylight sightings or pictures. And then it will filter for that. And then I can see all the spots where that happened. And I could see all the wind directions or things. And so it was a a helpful tool. Unfortunately, that deer's gone. But um, you could go in there and, yeah, filter by wind direction or filter by cold fronts or filter by was it a red moon or not and you could start to see i don't remember what the specifics were but it was like 67 percent of the sightings or daylight pictures were on cold front days you i saw that the majority of them were with south or southwest winds so stuff like that i was able to figure out um to, to get those kind of patterns standing out a little bit more that you can start taking action when you can actually quantify like this it was helpful for me at least so if you're yeah. interested i can send you that file if you want to copy it and experiment oh yeah dude I'll take it. 
yeah, I'll I'll send it your way. Let me know what you think. Um, it's kind of it's kind of neat neat way to do it. Uh, so summer, summer prep though. Summer right? prep. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I was gonna say. <laughs> the the thing I like about Instagram is you can tell when someone's just like really being fake and at the same time being real. And I love. <laughs> I loved watching and I got a, I got a kick out of it because I loved watching you try to spray and plant your food plots. (laughs) Yeah. I was sitting there laughing going, God, thank God I do not have to do any of that shit. Holy shit, man. I had just a debacle of all debacles this spring. Uh, How many miles did you put on your truck just driving into town and back? Way too many. <laughs> I don't know what the mileage is, but way too many. I've, I went back and forth to the store so many times. Um, and, and really, t- the amount of work I got done is so minimal, it's embarrassing. But it was yeah. days and days of dicking around. So so here's, just for people that didn't follow the Instagram store, here's what happened. So I had to <laughs> laugh it up. Laugh it up. All I needed to do was get my food plot screens planted. So this is just like planting some strips in tall vegetation to to kind of break up some big open fields, you know? Um, so basically, and I've talked about this in the past, but the Cliff Notes version of it is I've got a couple properties now that I can do some small bits of habitat work, and um, a lot of it's wide open field or adjacent to open crop fields. And so if I plant a food plot, the only places I could plant it would be like right next to the big field that is wide open all the way to the road. So to make it so that deer, especially mature bucks would feel comfortable going out into that area during daylight, I started planting, um, basically a 10 yard wide strip of different things in the past. It's been Egyptian wheat and sorghum. Um, this year I'm testing out some different blends. Some have got a little bit of sunflowers in them. Some stuff called sun hemp is in some of the blend. And then of course a lot of Egyptian wheat and sorghum still too. Um, but basically it kind of just looks like a wall of corn. And you know, that, that buck I killed in Michigan last year, Dan Frank, he would have never came out into that spot where I killed him if it wasn't for that screen. So it's very right. important for these couple spots where I do this. Those screens are, are really important. Like it's a great spot to hunt if the screen's there. If the screen's not there, it's a horrible spot to hunt. Um, so I had to get these things in. And the long short of it is the first thing I had to do is spray them. So I get out and drive my four-wheeler with the spray. Well, first off, I go to get ready to go do the spraying. And then I remember that last summer my dad had broken the wire harness that connects the sprayer to the four-wheeler. So I'm like, ah, crap, I got to go drive to town. So I drive to town, go buy a new wire harness, drive back, get the four-wheeler all set up. You got to put, you know, water in the tank and you put the herbicide in the tank, take that out to this property, drive out to where this food plot is. I get to the spot where I want to start spraying, hit the power button, and I hear, do, 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 but nothing's coming out. Oh, buddy. So... The pump on the sprayer is like doing something, but it's not pumping out water. And right. I know I'm not handy at all. Like you've heard me tell plenty, plenty of stories in the past. I don't know how to fix anything. <laughs> I struggle so bad with this stuff. I'm like son of a gun. I got to figure this out. So I'm like watching YouTube videos about broken sprayers, trying to figure out like different things I should look for. I tried to figure it out in the field, couldn't figure out a field. So I take it back to my house, take it in the barn, get all set up. Start. I just completely took apart the whole sprayer. Took apart the pump system. Took apart. I thought first, like maybe it was, maybe it was plugged. Like the the 
the thingamajigger that goes down to the tank, maybe that was plugged and it was keeping water from getting up in there. So I took that all apart, tried to clean it out, nothing. Checked the filter, nothing. Took all the all the different uh, tubes that run into the pump, make sure those were all clamped on properly. Wanted to make sure that the pressure was getting there. So I took apart the pump and there's these different valves and crap in there. I don't remember what stuff's called. But the long story short of it is that I took it all apart, checked the things that supposedly we were supposed to check, nothing worked. So then I go to town and was going to either try to just buy a brand new tank and sprayer. They didn't have anything I needed there, but I did find a pump, just the pump that the guy there told me that it probably would be universal and I could put that on the new one. So I come back, reinstall the new pump, and got it to work. But I started that day at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and this is 9.30 at night. I finally got that sprayer pumped and, and ready to work. So next day... <laughs> I go, everything's working fine on the pump. I get out to this property, and um, I'd start spraying. I think I sprayed for like 15 minutes, and then my wife called me and answered the phone. Well, turn off the ATV, answer the phone, talk to my wife, and then I go to start back up again when we're done, and the four-wheeler won't start now. So uh, now I got to walk all the way back to my truck where I have like a little jump kit, like a jump uh, box type deal, like a portable one. Take that back, jump it, starts to work again. Drive like another 100 yards, the ATV dies again. Jump it again. Go like 30 yards, it dies again. Basically, I have something wrong with my ATV now, so I can't spray where my ATV keeps dying. So this would be like a half hour long explanation of everything that went wrong that nobody probably wants to hear. But I'll just tell you that I ended up having to go back and forth to town to first try to get a battery charged and then I had to go pick up the battery and then I brought it back and tried and it worked for a little bit and then it stopped working again. Then I had to drive back to town, bought a new battery. Then I had to drive back to the property again, reinstall that, got that to work for a bit. Um, and then I think it finally worked and then I had to go back home because I didn't have enough water, I had to go get more water. Then I had to go back to the property and basically, like you said, drove back and forth, back and forth, like 17 different times. What should have been one afternoon of a couple hours of spraying took me three days of headaches. <laughs> um, and that was just to get the thing sprayed. Now, fast forward, I got it sprayed. Now I need to plant it. Now, I don't think you were with me when I told I talked about how I'm changing up my food pl planning process this year. Um, but basically, I've been learning a bunch about how um, trying to go no-till will be better yep. for the environment, better for the plant life, better for everything. Um, in the yep. long run, it could help reduce how much I need to spray herbicide, reduce how much like synthetic fertilizer I have to put out there. Um, so I'm trying to implement this no-till idea. But I don't have a no-till drill. So there's this kind of method that some people are doing. Just They're calling it throw and mow. So basically the gist of the idea is like you, you broadcast a seed, um, hopefully uh, right around the time of a rain. So you, you – well, sorry. Let me take it back. You spray an area so that vegetation is going to die eventually. And then you broadcast seed over that area and then you're going to mow it. So what happens is – the vegetation that's existing there is dying, but your seeds, hopefully this is with a small type of seed that'll work with a broadcasting method like this. The seeds on the ground, the dead vegetation is falling down over it, and then you mow everything on top of it. So you create like a mulch of vegetation over top of your seed, and you coincide all of this with a rain so that you get a bunch of rain coming down, soaking all this grass and mulch on top of your seed, and that's what gets it to germinate and gets you your seed to soil contact. 
Yep. That's the basic gist of this. So you can plant stuff without needing to disc and till everything up. So yep. that's what I was going to try. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. I don't have a tractor. I don't have a brush hog. I don't have any of these things. So I thought, well, maybe <laughs> I could get my, uh, maybe, maybe I could get my lawnmower, like my, my lawnmower for my house. Maybe I could do that. So I go and I try to mow a clover plot first with this and I sink my mower in about a foot and a half of mud. Right. So the lawnmower stuck in a foot and a half of mud. I have to go drive back, get my wife and son and my ATV, bring my ATV out to this property, have my wife and son sit in the lawnmower because you have to be sitting on it for it to be turned on. And so I had to go get a winch in my ATV and had to winch out my lawnmower with my wife and son on the lawnmower in reverse trying to get it out. So that was a thing. Got that out. Realized, okay, there's no way this is going to work on this other property where I'm trying to do more of this stuff. So I had to get my father-in-law to bring his tractor and a brush hog he had over to this property. And he was able to brush hog and mow everything. But my broadcaster, so the thing that spreads all your seed... That broke, and the three different stores in the nearest town didn't have a big, like, I don't know if you've seen people using these big cloth bag cedars. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like a big canvas bag um, that holds, I don't know, 15 pounds of seed or something like that. Well, I couldn't find one of those anywhere, and I'm running out of time. So I had to use, like, one of those little tiny fertilizer spreaders that people use on their, like, quarter-acre yard for some, like, (laughs) throw-and-mow. It's, like, it holds, like, two handfuls of fertilizer and seed. 
So that's what I used for <laughs> a large portion of the seating. Um, I mean, I don't even know if it's worth going into any more detail. Other than the fact that this should have been an afternoon or two, it took, I don't know, five days. So many debacles. Um, but I do have farmer. them planted. Yeah. You call me Farmer Mark. Um, I'd make people proud, I'm sure. Well, Mark, it sounds to me like you need to become friends with a local farmer. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, that's exactly what I need to do. I either need to become friends with a farmer or just need to man up and uh, cash my savings in on some kind of equipment because <laughs> this is not I working. Could, I could just see your wife, you coming home with a brand new tractor and like all these food plot implements and whatnot. And, uh, I can see her getting pretty upset at something like that. <laughs> well, it's funny is that she would like, she'd hate it if I spent all that money, but then at the same time, she's so sick of me coming home every day and like, you're not done yet. Why didn't you get anything done? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now she's like, you should just buy something, just sell something and buy buy something you need. Um, right. cause she's getting equally frustrated <laughs> with, me. right. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it's in, so we'll see if it, We'll see what happens. And uh, that's that's the extent of my habitat stuff. The only other good thing I got done is um, started. I tried to get a little bit of a head start on some of my tree stand stuff. So, like, there's one spot I've wanted a tree stand forever on one of these main Michigan properties. So I just got that set up for a saddle hunt, put some pegs in the tree and put a platform there and uh, trimmed everything out. So I've got a little, like, it's a weird little transition point where there's a swamp and then a little finger of a field, and then on the other side of that, a bedding area. And then yep. there's like this low spot in that little finger field where they'll cross from the swamp to get to the other timber stuff on the other side. And this is that one Michigan property that I've talked about tons that I have mostly just like field edge stuff that I'm allowed to hunt. Um, but this is the spot where if a buck's going to cross the field seven times out of ten, that's usually where it is. And I've got a stand on either side of it, but not quite in like the spot within the spot, you know, like we talk about. And, uh, finally I just like, like, I gotta, I gotta get something moved in there. So did that, that's set to go. Um, so all I need to do at least on that farm in late summer is just go and just double check all my locations, just make sure they're trimmed out and make sure the straps are good. But, uh, but yeah, I'm in good shape otherwise. Cool, man. Um, so the only other thing for me, I don't know what else is on your mind, but the only other thing for me is that when I got done with all that habitat stuff I was talking about, all the spraying and planting those food plot screens, the reason I was on such a time crunch is because my wife and I were leaving for our annual Western trip. Yeah. And that's where I'm at right now. And so I had to vent to someone about how that's been going. Now, I just vented for 15 minutes about my food plot, so maybe this is too much <laughs> venting. Um, but do you want to hear about what's happening on this trip? Yes, I do because I'm somewhat jealous, um, but at the same time, I'm glad it's you and not me. <laughs> yeah, so I'm hoping for some advice too somewhere along the way. So let me know if you've got any ideas for how I could have or how we could either better handle this next time um, or solve this um, if I ever try to do it again. Because what we try to do this year was go out and spend our summers like we usually do out in Montana. And, yep. you know, last year I did this with Everett for the first time and we did a month camped in our camper. Um, and it went pretty darn good. You know, it was not bad at all. He uh, wasn't mobile at that point. And that is the crux of it right there. He was Bingo. not mobile. He was five <laughs> months old. He didn't do anything at all. Um, he slept all the time. He was the picture of, of angelic joy. Now he's a year and a half old. 
and he is a tyrant. Like he yes. is just like a whirlwind going through our lives, just trying to rip everything down, tear everything, try to find different ways to get himself killed. Um, yep. I mean, it's nuts. Like I look at like so many times in a day, I'll look at Kylie and be like, who is this thing? Like, how did we bring this into the world? What yep. is going on? It's a demon. It's Dude, a demon. I love him to death, but he's crazy. Um, so I, I'll try to make this, I'll try to trim it as much as I possibly can. But basically, we our plan was we were going to take seven days of like vacation. So like we haven't really took a vacation in, in a long time. Like we travel, but I'm always working while we travel. Um, so this year I was like, you know what, we, we deserve a break from work for a little bit. So I was going to take five vacation days. I wasn't going to check my phone, wasn't going to do stuff, was just going to take that time. And we were going to go to Grand Teton National Park in Yellowstone, two of our favorite spots, and just have a fun time hiking with, with Everett and show them the animals and camping and doing all stuff. Well, the basic gist of it is that we got out and the first night tried to tent camp. He wouldn't sleep at all at a nap, wouldn't sleep in the tent for nap time. That was a debacle. Then at night, tried to put him down. He wouldn't sleep, wouldn't sleep, was screaming, was screaming, was screaming. Finally, it's like 9.30 and the neighbors hate us. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to take him in the truck. So I took him, drove him in the truck for an hour. He finally fell asleep. Then I transferred him to the tent at like 10.30 at night after dark and he was able to sleep through the night. So I'm like, okay, maybe that's what we got to do. Next day, we try that. He sleeps, but then like two in the morning, he wakes up in the middle of the night, just screaming bloody murder, like just inconsolable. And you, we got tents all around us. You know, there's other people camping all around us. So like, this is not going to work. Like we're waking everybody up. The kid's going nuts. So we all get out of the tent, get in the truck, drive to the nearest town, get a hotel room at like four in the morning. Um, had to go to four different hotels to try to find one that was open. So after two nights of disastrous tent sleeping, um, we're like, well, screw it. We're just going to get a place to stay because no one slept. Kylie was miserable and couldn't sleep. And so we had to rent a cabin for three nights. And then after that, a hotel for three nights. And so I have spent more traveling what would have been like a almost free camping trip for a week. I've now spent more on this trip than any other vacation I've ever spent in my entire <laughs> life. Like, you know, I've gone like to Mexico to an all-inclusive in the past. We've done that kind of right. thing, but never have I spent so much money on all these crappy hotel rooms just so there's somewhere forever to sleep. Otherwise, it's like zero naps, zero nighttime sleep. He's not doing the tent thing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's just been like super-duper stressful from a sleep standpoint. Um, and if that all wasn't bad enough, though, we're we got hit with what bad weather it's been snowing and raining and really cold here the last three days so that made it tough and then we're like okay but we're gonna go pick up our camper because what we did is we left our camper in montana over the winter because we only use it out here so we put it in a storage facility locked gate storage facility kept it here and then we were gonna you know come out and do our little vacation i just talked about and then at the end of that time we pick up the camper and then go set it up in our usual place and then we're gonna stay here another month and work well, we've been looking forward to getting the camper because that'd be like, you know, a closed space. It'd be dark. Everett would be able to sleep, hopefully. And even if he did wake up, you know, we're not going to wake up other people because we'll be inside the camper. So we get to the storage facility. And as we're pulling in, I notice that the cover, we have a cover of the whole thing. The cover's gone. So I'm like, oh, no. What's, what happened? And this was, this was yesterday afternoon this all happened in. So the cover is not on our camper anymore. So now I'm thinking, oh, man. Did the cover get ripped off in the wind? Is there going to be rain damage or something? Then I go walking up to the to the door, and I notice that the door handle's pried open. Oh, uh, you got to be kidding me. Someone broke into our camper while we were going. Bastards. Ripped the door open. 
got in there. They stole two full propane tanks, all of our fuel. They stole our whole solar power system. So the way we get power to the camper is through solar panels on top and then two deep cell batteries and then like an inverter or converter or something like that that runs it all through. They stole all that. They stole all my tools that I had out here, my drills and all the different things I needed to fix stuff. Um, stole, like Kylie had done a really great job like renovating this, you know, a few years ago and had like really cool artwork on the walls and decorations. They stole all that stuff. Stole our silverware. Um, Where did you keep this? Just like in a parking lot? No, well, it's a, it's a, like a, you know, like a storage facilities, you know, where there's all those like yeah. little buildings that look like. I don't know how to describe it. Just like one of the, a storage facility. And then there was a a fenced and gated and locked area where you could put a trailer, put your campers and stuff. So that's where we had it. So it was under lock and key, but someone had hopped the fence or dug underneath the fence or something. And uh or or maybe someone who had access to it was the one who did it. I don't know. That's bullshit. Yeah, man. So that was what we came to yesterday after driving six hours across the the park to get to here and all that and Everett's screaming and throwing a fit and I'm trying to figure out what to do with this and had to call the police, file a report and then, oh, and then on top of that I get the thing hooked up and I'm ready to pull out and none of the lights on the camper work anymore. So the running lights, the brake lights, the turn signals, nothing on the camper is working. Um, so so I, I luckily found a guy uh, who works for the facility that was willing to drive behind me to get us to a campground. So now I'm at a campground and as soon as we get done recording this, I'm going to be going to town and trying to find somewhere I can buy new propane tanks and buy new batteries and buy new inverter. And then I've got a local RV repair guy that's going to helpfully come out here in the next hour or two and look at it and see if he can reset up the wiring to make all the power and stuff work. Man, like I wish you wouldn't have told me because now I want to like beat somebody up. <laughs> yeah, man, man that's was... the, that is crap. It was just like the cherry on top after like the week has been, you know, it's been really cool. Like there's these moments of greatness, like whenever it's having a good time, it's so awesome to see him out there like pointing at a buffalo or running up and down the trails. Like he's having a lot of fun just playing in the dirt, exploring. He's having a blast, but he's, he's sick of being in the car seat. So he's just throwing a fit every time we're driving anywhere. He's not sleeping well. So he's always overtired. And then like we talked about earlier, he's just in everything. So it's, there's there's no way to like set up the camper to do all these different things the way we used to. Cause usually it's like a two person job. We're doing all this stuff, but now it's like one person has to be watching him the whole time. And then one person's trying to do a bunch of stuff. And, uh, it's just made stuff more stressful than it's ever been. So I'm constantly trying to remind myself, like focus on the good stuff. It's super cool to be out here with, with Everett. He's having a blast a lot of the time, but man, Many times a day, we look at each other. My wife and I were like, can we do this any longer? Like, how long are we going to last? We're planning being out here for six weeks <laughs> doing this. Yeah. And uh, we've seriously been thinking like, eh, maybe we maybe we go home now. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. we're going to do, man. Yeah. That's nuts, man. I uh, don't have any more kids if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. Any any other parental advice for how to handle traveling and adventuring with a toddler? Because I, I don't have any really good answers yet. Well, we got a portable DVD player recently. Mm. That shuts them up for quite a uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Um. We because we went on a four hour drive to Omaha uh, a couple months ago. That that worked. And then, like, feed them heavy before they get. Then they kind of get sleepy eyed when uh -huh. they're drive when they're driving. So feed them portable DVD player, and then a lot of well, 
Everett's probably too young for th- threats, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. that's, <laughs> but that's how I work with the older two. That makes sense. I'm sure we'll get to that point sometime soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, dude. I don't know. Like I, we have these grand ambitions of, and I still think we can do it to a degree, but it just, I think our expectations are just changing drastically as far as like the kind of stuff we can do for now. Um, yeah. you know, still we love doing all these outdoor adventures and camping and stuff, but, uh, I don't know if these like two month, uh, grand trips are going to be super realistic for the short term. Um, well, you took the kid out of uh, a routine and that's where, yeah. that's where it hurts. Right. Yeah. So if you can find him, get him in a routine to where, you know, every night, maybe you just don't try to put him straight to bed. Maybe you let him watch your phone for a little bit yep. or you let him do some of that stuff till he gets a little tired, give him his bottle or whatever drink before bedtime. And then hopefully he falls asleep or you can just go back to the old school method and put a little whiskey in his, uh, sippy cup and, you know, help him fall asleep that way. <laughs> that might be, that might be after last night. Oh, I forgot last night, our first night sleeping in it. We had mice again last night. This kept waking him up in the middle of the night. Cause we'd, the lights would be on. We'd try to sleep and then there'd be mice scurrying around right next to him. And <laughs> so I killed two of those suckers. I hope, I hope that's it. Yeah. Um, but if that doesn't work, it might be whiskey and, uh, whiskey and milk for the little man. Benadryl. That. Some Benadryl. Yeah. <laughs> Well, by the way, this is not good parenting advice. Yes, I would I'm, not. I'm, uh, we will not actually do that, anyone. No, don't don't <laughs> worry. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's trial by trial by fire, learning some stuff. Right. Um, right. But you know, at the same time, it's like I find myself going back and forth because yeah, it's been stressful. Yeah, it's been way more difficult than any of our previous trips. But at the same time, probably you know, a month from now, when I look back on it, I'm gonna be glad we did it. You know, it's like it's. I think it's it's type two fun is what it is in the moment. It can be miserable, but like when you look back on it, the pictures and the stories and probably what we'll remember is we'll remember the good times and the bad times will just be funny. They'll just be funny stories. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that we can push through and it'll be good. And you know, it's, I do love, like it is awesome to be able to share like these outdoor things with him and seeing him, geek out about seeing a bear like he'll he'll go running up to the trailhead like at, at the beginning of every trail there's these um i don't know these boards where they've got different announcements and like warnings and you know how to be bear safe and all this kind of stuff and he's really into bear so he'll go running up to it and if there's a picture of the grizzly he'll just point and he'll roar at it um and like we if you we'll go hiking and we get you know a couple miles in and we're gonna take a break or something you set him down and he's just a man on a mission he just starts hiking down the trail himself and then he stops and he picks flowers and he plays with the rocks and he's chasing ground squirrels and yeah um like seeing that just you know that's so cool as a dad to see and uh to be able to share that stuff with uh with your child is is pretty cool so i mean that kind of stuff is what i try to focus on but that's the most important stuff yeah yeah it is so Man, that's where we're at. We got four more weeks that we're supposed to be out here. Um, and I don't know. We'll see if we can get everything fixed here today or tomorrow. And um, once we get, I think it'll be good once we get settled. We haven't been able to settle anywhere. We've been like two days here, three days there, one day there. Um, yeah. But once we are able to get settled into one of these spots that we usually stay at for like a week at a time, um, like you said, maybe get a little bit of a routine again. And, um, and we'll see in a week or two. Yeah. 
we'll have updates and uh, we'll see if the Kenyan 2019 <laughs> adventure has come to an unceremonious end or if it's, uh, if it's still going. <laughs> dad life, man. Yeah, dad life. Dad life. I don't, and that's that's all I got. I don't know. Anything else uh, in your world? As far as me, it's just like trying to survive this trip, try to get some work done, and then August will be just running around like crazy with all the last minute stuff. Yeah, same here, man. Just getting ready for my elk hunt, getting ready for the mule deer hunt that may or may not happen, and and then obviously whitetails. So, hey, do you remember like four years ago when we used to do um, like Dan's crazy question of the day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we should bring that back. I feel like we should bring that back. Um, and either when you're on episodes with a guest, we should throw them a crazy question or we should just give each other a crazy question of the day. So like, for example, if you had to pick a beverage that would describe you at this moment, like how you're feeling or where you are at in life right now, uh, what beverage would you be? Well, it would be a mixed drink. Okay. Okay. And it would be coffee and bourbon. Explain. Oh, just because that's uh, basically how crazy. Well, I tell you what, it would be coffee, bourbon, and CBD oil, and <laughs> <laughs> because that's literally what my life is right now. It's like wake up tired, slam coffee, um, you know, work throughout the day, and then relax by having a cold drink at night. Yeah. So what what drink do you think signifies like defeated? As what's the drink that makes you think of someone being very defeated? What would that drink be? <laughs> like <laughs> when you're the lowest point and this is going to suck cuz I do, I don't want like to offend anybody, but it's just like oh shit, I am down on my I got nothing left in my life. Like the only thing left for me to do is just like fade into existence. And that would be like drinking a natural ice yeah natty ice 20 ouncer in a paper bag yeah that that is what drink i am at this moment (laughs) (laughs) as i sit here waiting for uh, a repairman to come and try to figure out how to fix this jalopy shit mark i didn't know it was that bad (laughs) (laughs) oh but type two fun it is type two the stories there's a song um that i heard on the radio the other day it's called a hundred bad days and the chorus is a hundred bad days makes a hundred good stories and a hundred good stories makes me interesting at parties and so that's been like my mantra i'm like all right man (laughs) hundred bad days equals a hundred good stories (laughs) that's how i'm gonna get through this one so yeah gotta have content for your job buddy gotta have content (laughs) definitely getting that uh getting that in spades on this trip so all right dude well I think uh, I think our little update podcast here is 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 full of stories, so we can wrap it up. But uh, thanks for letting me vent. Thanks for the advice on uh, on drinks of choice, and um, let's talk soon and and see what else crazy is going on. Yeah, I think you could probably hear what's going on right now in my hallway. Yeah, I think you got to get that office done pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Later. And that's going to do it for us today. I hope you enjoyed this lighthearted episode. You know, it's, it's always just good to catch up with Dan and laugh a little bit and tell some of these stories. And uh, whew, I sure hope that your summer projects and vacations are going a little smoothly. 
more smoothly at least than mine have. It's uh, It's been interesting, but like we are saying, you know, if you're having some tough times like that, remember all those bad days do make for great stories. So keep that in mind. And with all that said, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.